Welcome once again to The Lost Signals Discusses Games and Gaming Culture, a pretentious, philosophical, pedantic podcast where we focus on various aspects of video games as well as other issues and topics within gaming in general. Hello there, my friends, and welcome back to The Lost Signals Games and Gaming Culture. I am Scott Thurlow here with my last man on Earth, Jonathan Ian Manzer. Welcome to the special coronavirus episode. Uh-huh. And we are here bunkered down from the uh, Omega Man uh, bunker, like I said. And we're going to do, as, tr- as per tradition, our top games of the year. So it is now technically 2020, but this would be 20, 2019 games uh, in order in various categories. So, E, what we normally do, our standard, let's keep it going. We're going to do top five, but we're counting from five to one. So I'll toss it to you. What is your number five game of the year, sir? My number five game of the year was an actual difficult choice, as we'll talk when we get to the mm-hmm. uh, mid-tier games. But I chose A Plague Tale Innocence for my number five. Very good call. I enjoyed the game, and it has had a lasting impact with me. I think that for a double-A game, so. it uh, was impressive. It reminds me of... Oddly enough, Vampire from previous years yep, yep. in that gotcha. level of quality that it's not necessarily a AAA game in scope, but it the was... The highest tier AA game, I guess. We'll yeah, call. it was creative in its implementation. I liked the story. And for the most part, I liked the execution. Perhaps the ending was slightly... Mm-hmm. Like the battle against the Pope or Cardinal or whatever it was. Uh, it's been it, a while since I played ridiculous, it. It was but... For the most part, though, I... Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did gush about it at the time, and I recommend it to people. So uh, it gets my number five spot. I agree. Um, it'll be spoiler. It'll be a little bit above, but my number five is Control. Mm-hmm. So it's my uh, my dudes at Remedy, if you will, Remedy Development. They did Alan Wake. They did uh, the first two Max Payne's, or at least the first Max Payne. I'm pretty sure the first two, at least. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like new, like whereas Alan Wake was sort of Twin Peaks ish kind of thing. Control is X Files versus uh, cross with like Warehouse 13, and just as a theme this year, my top five games had incredible world building. I think that was the theme for me, like the thing that linked it together. And yeah, so I give them a lot of credit. Control was a lot of fun. It was just a great third person action game with an amazing setting, and they're they're doing DLCs. The first DLC comes out as of this recording in like a couple of days, and yeah, it just it slipped in. I liked it a bit. I, I sort of like wavered upon it. Like I almost put it in honorable. But like no, given for what it is and what it stands for and what they did with it, it was just a, an amazing game back to front and well done. And I I wish them the best and I hope to see more of them, more from them. But yeah, Control slips in as number five and fucking solid. I'll have more to talk about Control later. On. All right, fair enough. So my number four, go do. So I have Greedfall, which was at a point my number one of the year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Problem is, I'm a trophy whore. <laughs> and <laughs> and I have, was I kind have of a platinumed yeah. eight of my 11 uh, uh, games that I have on my list. Okay. I platinum Greedfall. Greedfall has diminishing returns. It was a great one playthrough game, but it required me to play through it fully. Four or five uh, times well, or not something? fully twice, but I had to play multiple endings. And right, yeah. Uh, to get one of the romances, I need to play through most of the game again as a female character, which is not a problem. But I start. It, it was a time to, investment. It, it started to wear on me the plot, and it, it will be 
and when I talk about other games I have on my list, uh, why it's better. That's interesting. There were, it, it did have diminishing returns, even though I really thoroughly enjoyed it the first playthrough. So, yeah, that's my argument for it. It's funny, I have more to say about that, but good call for sure. Uh, so, moving to my number four, it's Plague Tale. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, I guess as a caveat, if I didn't mention before, I probably have played more games than you and the other, like, and even Chris and Stevo, if they were here. But yeah, like, so, Plague Tale was just like, it's, here, here's my, um, submission to you. It's the A24 of games. Okay, yeah, like, yeah. Right? Like, that's how I feel about it. And it was like, just a perfect, coalescence of solid triple a double a studio who had done like a game or two before sure Mm -hmm. but linear you know like yes the levels were like open-ish but the way it's designed the story's incredible the voice acting is fantastic and it's just something you don't you don't see very often and it did such a good job encapsulating first person narrative again like not on rails per se but linear and like they knew the vision they wanted and they they went with it and produced it and it was very impactful and it's something you haven't seen it's one of my favorite settings historically of course but like i said all the elements combined to make it to me number four game of the year and again if you know what a24 means in film this studio sits in the sphere of a24 of games and is fantastic i absolutely agree with that so my number three is phoenix wright ace attorney uh Mm -hmm. trilogy now this is the only game on my best list I haven't platinum yet because I'm playing through it right now. I played through the first two games in the trilogy. Yeah. I'm about halfway through the third one. Mm-hmm. I will have platinum it eventually. The thing is, perhaps it's because it's three games in one, but I'm really invested in this world. I love it. It's super in Objection. <laughs> Hold it. Huh? It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's very Japanese at times. It's a weird mixture of Japanese and American culture mm. melded together. But I, but that's how I, work it has things. built this world that now when I hear that in reality there are musicals, there's anime, there uh, <laughs> there are multiple DLCs. I can see why because you're really invested in the story of Phoenix Wright and uh, Maya Edgeworth and uh, Von Karma. I sure. mean, like this this world is so full. You care about every one of the characters in it uh they they play a really fine line between having reoccurring characters but making it organic to the narrative and i have to say my favorite character is wendy or uh, windy old bag uh (laughs) who is this old woman who uh just talks so fast that you can't that it just passes your button presses for the dialogue <laughs> it's it's you're not telling it's me that such a it's such a fantastic world and it's also an old school puzzle game which i love i grew up on those kind of uh, uh, sure. uh so the, like, the lucas games both bases kind of but it's a little bit more intellectual than that and yes at times it does play into the old school like oh the game's logic versus reality logic but sure. for the most part they play it straight in that it's a challenging legal drama Battle, yeah. in uh, okay. in reality, and trying to find the right piece of evidence to prove your point. I, I, I'm totally bought into that world, and uh, I have to give credit. And I've been wanting to play the Phoenix Wright trilogy for a very long time. I'm glad they was on PS4. And if you're into kind of pseudo intellectual like legal dramas, I think you, uh, I the average person will love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like. I have personally never played any of it, but I've heard like 
very good things. It's a very respected series and franchise, and the fact that they had it on a bundle, like, you picked it up and quite enjoyed it. I must say, for the first two, at least, the last episodes of the first two games, oh, I think the first one's a DL, uh, theoretical DLC, but it's incorporated there. Sure. They, they elevate the gameplay to being where you're defending someone who's guilty in the second one. Uh, I forget what the first one's, uh, you're, uh, defending, I believe, Edgeworth in this, uh, second one. But all in all, like, it, they, they keep it fresh. Complexity? Uh, and they build, the, they, uh, build the world. And also, I love the judge. He's, he's a, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, an idiot, but, uh, <laughs> a, a nearing sure. idiot. So. Sure. so, like, yeah, like I said, world building, again, mm-hmm. like, again, it's, it's a very beloved, like, there's a very hardcore fan base about it, and it seems like. I'm now a member of that yeah, hardcore. You're, you're into it. Yeah, for sure. All right, so. It's funny because it's going to cross over. My number three of the year is Greedfall, mm-hmm. A24 of games, right? So I guess I'll say it's it's filling the void that Bioware, like, once did. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, sure, there's some, like, a bit of technical or mechanical jankiness. Sure, you get past that. It's, it's not that distracting. The story, the setting, I think is spot on. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 and it was a fun as hell game to play. I liked, again, the writing was up my alley. I enjoyed it. it. It was something that you don't quite see. Like, it's like low fantasy. Like, yes, there's some monsters and stuff like here and there, but you're a fucking diplomat. You're t- trying to figure it out. Like, you're, you're colonials, right? It's, I feel like that was a theme that has been coming up, uh, often enough on just on our general podcast. And yeah, like the way it filled it, like, uh, I believe the developer is called Spiders and they made like some two or three, like, okay games beforehand, like, okay received, like, the reception was okay on them. But it's this is this is their like best what best work it seems and certainly I enjoyed it quite a bit and yeah it's interesting as hell it's a third person RPG action and I think the options like the upgrades and all that like made sense and the characters and the story was really well integrated and there's some like twists and turns I throw in right. at you I did that not you didn't expect Constantine to be the yeah. ultimate villain yeah like in like uh, you know like um, they actually made me care about the person who would become the big bad yeah exactly uh, um, one other thing before we move on about Greedfall is that there's a a plot line where I think Kurt is like your man at arms, like your mm-hmm. bodyguard. And if you don't follow through enough on his like side quest, his personal quest, then he betrays you. Like spoiler alert, but that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And like the way that the way I, I followed through, I did all his quests. So like when it became time, like that scene happened, he's like, Well, I would have, but since you supported me, I'm turning against my own my own company. Right? Well also, uh we're gonna say Cersei, and I forget the uh, female's name. The uh, love interest, Sor- Sorcy or something like yeah, that. If yeah. you don't do enough of her side quest, she leaves the party. No, really? As well, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, I, so I there are that. repercussions to not doing. Yeah. Although I'm a completionist, so I of course you saw all the outcomes. But, Oddly yeah. enough, though, if I didn't have to play through it multiple times, I would have rated it higher. Really? Yeah. Awesome uh, if I just had that one playthrough. My uh, perception yeah. of it would have been much higher. I guess that proves my point yeah. because I only played through. I did one playthrough. Yeah, one big one. Tried to do as much as possible in one, and it was it was very impressive. Impressed me, and I would love to see um something to follow up, like in the same world mm-hmm. or like some kind of like sequel in the uh, general oh, sense. So there's actually, I believe, I was reading a uh, argument to have a not DLC. Uh, Ooh, of that'd be D- cool. going further into that culture. And I think that would be really neat. Yeah, the world building, like I said, the lore world building is a general theme mm. of all the games on my list, and Greedfall was top-notch about that. Mm. Alright, so what do you got number two? Control is actually my number two. I love the world that Control built. Yes, gameplay-wise, it was okay, if not good, mm. but Dr. Darling, and here's the thing is, 
Matthew Tamber. I can't remember his name, but he's an amazing uh, voice actor. Oftentimes, when I get lore, I'll I'll kind of skip the skip zone out it. with yeah. it. Yeah. This I was excited to get every piece of lore there because of the humor they put in the the, uh, the retractions on. Uh, I was really, I was really bought into the world they built, and yes, especially with this uh, the end game boss like uh, side quest bosses, it occasionally got uh, repetitive. However, just though I, I really bought into the world they built, and I really want to see a sequel to Control because this world was so fascinating to me. I agree. So PSA, they it 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 sold really well, mm-hmm. and they they promised. Uh, I bought it. Um, the season pass, two pieces of DLC. One, the date of this recording is March twentieth. In about six days, I believe March twenty sixth, they're putting out the first one. Mm. So yeah, like like I said, like it just happened to uh, in in a different universe. I would have like the idea I, of the. Oh, so, sorry. The ashtray maze, especially yes. that end yeah. sequence of you fighting the ashtray maze, was, it was with the music out. attached to it, was cinematic. Exactly. Uh, in a way that Greedful wasn't, because Greedful was cinematic in the historical concept. Right. Didn't quite achieve but that. But there though, was yeah. this, this one scene they put in towards the end of the game of Control, which made me feel like I was an action hero in this world. Yeah. Many other outlets uh, mm-hmm. highlight the Ashley May scene yeah. as like one of the best things. And like, yeah. And again, like granted, like I've played a, probably like a bit more, like probably mm-hmm. played like 30 games in, in uh, over the year. But yeah, the fact that they were able to build that world and get me into it in another year, it would have been a little bit higher, but it's still number five on the list. Yeah. But I agree. Control was fantastic. World building spot on, and even mechanically, I thought was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Like it was fun playing like a Jean Grey like character. Your um, oh, yeah. uh, Courtney, uh, I can't remember her name. I apologize. Courtney is her first name. She's a pretty well known voice actress, and like mo- like they mocapped her. It's her like playing it. Like mm-hmm. she, it, Jesse Faden looks like yeah. her. Courtney Hope, I believe his name, right? But she played it spot on. It was so much fun and so engaging to play. So good mm-hmm. call, good call. Yeah. All right, so let me move on to my number two, and this might eh, we might be contentious about this, but it's Resident Evil Two, the Resident Evil Two remaster. I couldn't get enough of it. It it, it was the first game I played um last year uh, as a year moved in January, so I believe when we did our uh, top games last year, what we do is we'll get to it later on this episode. But what have you been playing this year? And like I was like, Resident Evil is so fucking sick, and I can't help it. Like yes, I have nostalgia for it. Yes, it informed like one of my earlier like experiences with the medium so i can't get away from that but even regardless i know people who i recommended to who i did not play the original and like it works on both levels if you're an original fan or if you're just like getting into it right now it is well like extremely well done survival horror harkens back to the old school stuff but also uses all the best modern updates capcom has been destroying shit just in general like recently and I, I cannot help but put Resident Evil 2 on my number two list. I didn't do it for like the cheekiness of making it two and two, like <laughs> as we did the other year. But yeah, it was just fantastic. It looks slick as hell. The design, the combat, everything, like the redesign, the map and the inventory, it's everything you remember from the original and also updated. So I can't say much more. I was in the middle of grad school and I generally play video games late at night when I get back from teaching. So I couldn't get into Resident Evil you 2. You got skirt. Uh, uh, yeah, I admit it. Like, I, I, that's why I, it's so good. For some reason, it's just like, it didn't, 
uh, I didn't play enough of it to judge it, and I wasn't in the right mindset to play it when That's I had fair. it. That's fair. I borrowed your copy of it, uh, but uh, so I'm not uh, again. I'm leaving it off the list for this one because I didn't play enough of it to judge it. Though from everything I hear, it is a fantastic, That's very game. respectable. But my number one. And this is odd. It's Outer Worlds. It's not odd because I think you have a similar thing, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it overtopped Greedfall through my second playthrough. The first time I played it, I played it on Supernova difficulty, and I didn't love it the first time. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it the first time around, even though it harkens back to uh, Fallout New Vegas and all the games right. I and love. that akin, yeah. My second playthrough, I played it with no intelligence. Uh-huh. One so I zero. I got the dumb, uh, and I also got played on uh, normal difficulty for this one. So I wasn't like uh, in Supernova. It's actually it. fairly different. It's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one, it actually sold itself on the second playthrough, and that's a and that's hard for me to say in a, in sure. a that's saying uh, for me, in right? a game. Yeah, and I loved playing this dumb character who every single person you use dumb on, you have you know, whether people think you're an idiot that you are or people think you're brilliant for you pointing out brilliant uh, thing, or think you're just another joking gimmick? it's it's absolutely fantastic in the way they incorporated it and that's what actually sold me on the game my second play they were playing a dumb character and it was so funny and i and narratively it worked because i was working for the board in the second uh, playthrough <laughs> so uh yeah it, it just worked for me and I, it rocketed for the fact that multiple threats i i enjoyed it the second time around more so than i did the first time around i mean well of course yeah number one for me is also auto worlds so on top of all that so i did not do two playthroughs to be Mm -hmm. fair in full disclosure but i love obsidian and it was like it was a very anticipated game for me like they Mm -hmm. announced it years like not years back like at e3 or whatever like a year ago before it came out and yeah i was looking forward to it and it did not disappoint it's the first person rpg like action style the fuck it, your your skills and points mattered like it, even beyond like or not even before even like not just uh considering the dumb thing right like having zero intel but again the parody the writing is so top-notch it's you know a corporate futuristic uh thing gone awry like spacer's choice and all that stuff like it, it's not the best choice yeah. it's spacer's choice it's, it's an amazing commentary upon like uh, you know the the um excesses of capitalism mm-hmm. but wrapped around an amazing rpg first person experience in which all skills matter in which the companions are great amazingly voice acted well written and like maybe i'm biased of course like i admit but this is the game that is for me that encapsulates like hey did you like fallout new vegas and you didn't quite like fallout 4 obsidian is still doing amazing work they're one of the best studios around and i think they made the best game this year for all the reasons we just said, and it, like it's even cooler that you said you got more out of it the second playthrough, yeah. doing it a different way. Because I wasn't worried about the ma- uh, maximizing right. my character. I was I could role play even right. more. You're so maxing, like you're just, like, experiencing the world, and like yeah, it's so great and it's very immersive and yeah, top notch. So we agree. A, <laughs> number one game we agree upon. Mm-hmm. All right, so let me move along. So now we've done reverse five to one, and next category is do. Normal, like, one to five. So we're going on honor roll. For me, number one game on honor roll or honorable mentions is Borderlands 3. And I'm a, I became a fan of Borderlands because of two. I played one, like, uh, I, I bought them actually as a bundle, like, years ago, like, many, many years ago. It's like, probably from the Xbox 360. But three, like, it's more of the same. 
So, like, yeah, it's a bit biased. Like, if you like Borderlands, you're going to like this one, but it looks crisper than ever. They shaved off a bit of the annoyances, but not all of them, to be fair. That's why it's honorable and not top games, because some of the, like, the old school, like, why would you design it this way? Or, like, you know, just, you don't need to have it be this way. Like, we've moved beyond these design conventions. But it was such a joy, so entertaining to play. And the classes were great. The story was fine. I still think two story is the best. But regardless, it it they tied in like they made things meaningful. Like they didn't just like tread water. So I'll give them like I if they if they did tread water, I would have been like okay, fine. It might have still made it honorable. But the fact that they tried to move forward with the narrative and also the gameplay was just enjoyable, entertaining as hell, and and very diversive. So. And it had Penn and Teller in it. Yeah, so. Penn and Teller was also Pain and Terror were their names and like their in character names. And it was great. Yeah, they get like they get shit like that, and it's just very entertaining. Like if you're into the series, and if you're not, like it's a good starting point. They made one of my the, my favorite concepts for a video game ever: Desert Bus. Yep, uh, Desert Bus is, is legendary <laughs> yeah. for sure. I think there was a reference to it even in game, like even when you encountered Pain and Terror. But yeah, Borderlands Three, and I played the first DLC. Which took place in a casino, like a derelict casino that Handsome Jack set up. If so, if you know what that means. But yeah, the way it was designed and the way it like fulfilled its promise of being one of the um, seminal looter shooters and new gen, it was it was spot on. So it earns the number one in honorable. What do you got? <laughs> My number one is Catherine Full Body, and I made it number one because and not number five of best of because I didn't want to explain this one first. Sure. I have yet to even get to the end of Catherine Full Body because I have a very weird relationship with Catherine Full Body. Mm-hmm. It is perhaps one of the most fascinating works to delve into being a 30 year old male. <laughs> Encapsulates that experience. And having relationships. Whether it's the, the main tenet of the game is. You have a long-term girlfriend named Catherine, with a K, who is theoretically what society suggests you should. A serious woman, will you for a future? Match.com says you date this girl. With Catherine with a C, who is uh, a a free spirit, but maybe crazy. And you have like a a one-night stand that develops into leadership and you're juggling these two. It's a very, I feel, exploration of what you want as a man. Is it more or less a visual novel? like (laughs) A puzzle game game? with a kind of a visual novel aspect of it. Like there's a demon or I think it turns out to be an alien or something like that (laughs) preying upon unfaithful men or whatever. But there's also a Catherine with a Q. And this is where it really... She is perhaps your perfect match in a lot of ways, mm. but it turns out to be a cross-dressing, or a, I think a wafu is what they call it in mm. Japan, but a man who seems like a woman. Maybe a metaphor for transsexuals. <laughs> and it initially, I'm like, this is weird. And I'm like, wait, what is this saying? about This made me very introspective over my own both gender stereotypes about other people, but also what means to be masculine about a man. Sure. I think this brings up such interesting debates. Yeah, and you actually get, uh, there's morality checks that you get to see what other people chose. So you get to see morality like, checks like about other people. Style? Uh, 
Yeah, but it's just questionnaires at the end of things about like yeah. asking you what your opinion about certain things are. And you just see what like men say, what women say, who play, and what the general and it's it's the one game I played this year that maybe question things about myself and what my prejudices are. So I think it's such it's a, a work. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And I think that it should be played for the questions it asks. If, even if it's just kind of a general puzzle even game. Even the gameplay the itself, end. like in quotes uh, and all that. And it was funny is I played it initially because I'm a hot-blooded male. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, you get to trick between two uh-huh, women. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, this it's is actually asking questions like about this. That, yeah? It's, it's yeah. fascinating. So, yeah, like it has to get uh, – it should have been my number five, but I didn't want this to be my first impression <laughs> going in there. That's so fair. it's my number one of uh, the uh, mid-tier. Now, again, like similar to Phoenix, like the cat – like at least that bundle – has gotten pretty wide acclaim yep. for what it did. Like, yeah, like on the surface, like, oh, it seems like just like, yo, know, I don't want to say <laughs> a masturbatory fantasy, but like, that's what it seems like if you just saw it, like, without any other information. But it, but it totally delves, uh, yeah. inverts yeah. that concept. It subverts and delves into yeah. like, shit like that, like, uh, very uh, in depth and got to give credit. All right, so very nice. So, like, oh, well, I guess I'll dial it back. My number two in honor is Metro Exodus, mm. the third in the series in the franchise. And I think probably the best one, the first two set up like what it was going to be and were more like uh, narrowly focused, like um, it, even like in level design, especially this one, it opens up a bit and the banter, like in any other random game, like the hub city, like, okay, you're on the train, like, okay, but the way they flesh out the characters and your interaction with them, I think is so much thought went into it that it adds to it. Like the world building again is incredible. And yeah, the gameplay itself, like, they give you more options. Like, all the options that were available in the previous games, as well as a couple other, like, you know, new introductions. And yeah, it works really well. Like, there are some levels that are very, very open world. Like, the maps are huge, and, like, you explore this and that. Some sort of, like, harken back to the original one and two, or, like, the more, um, focused, like, more, uh, not as much, like, just in the, in the tunnels and stuff, like, in the, in the actual metro, the titular metro. But just in general, it advances the story. And the characters, if you remember them from the first two, they all continued their own arcs. And I think it was really, really done and fun to play. Downside would be something like the load times are pretty in- intense, like it was kind of annoying. A couple of the enemy designs were a little also frustrating. But overall, I think they did a great job in Avenged the series and, in fact, is the best one. If you get a bundle of all three, they might have that somewhere. Like some site might offer it. But at Metroidus, I think showed what they could do with new-gen technology and did a good job with the narrative and the gameplay. I've been playing the original Metro recently. I'm impressed by that world of building. Uh, But my number two is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Mm -hmm. I actually fell in love with it quite a bit because it harkens back to the original Castlevania. This is made by the guy who uh, developed that. Igawa, I believe. It it is... uh, It got a bit grindy to platinum it towards the end. But I don't think it was ever too ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, too agreed. It wasn't. It didn't remind me of grinding back in the SNES era. Okay, okay. it was uh, more fluid than that, and 
uh, it allowed you to see what uh, you, you had a menu which showed you what enemies dropped what items. So uh, I only had to look up a couple of them, but in general, it wasn't too bad to get the platinum, even though there were kind of you had to get every item in the game. Every sure. like, I mean, it was a chore, but, but uh, not too much of one. It seemed. Yeah, I listened to podcasts while playing it, so whatever. <laughs> right. But overall, like I was impressed by uh, the level of detail went to it. I loved uh, uh, Symphony of the Night playing back in the day. And it harkened back to that kind of era. Yeah. Uh, it's a spiritual system. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I recommend it. Yeah. Good call. I will a bit more to say about that because it is on one of my lists, but not in this one. But my number three in honor is Devil May Cry 5. So briefly, I, I really love the first two. It was on PS1 or 2, I believe. And yeah, like I, I kind of fell out of it, but I bought it on sale like into the summer or something like that, like summer of, uh, summer of last year. And like, it was, it was Capcom knows what they're doing. Like, so they do that and they do Resident Evil. Just like, it's basically a B movie, but they know that and they embrace it and the gameplay is tight as shit. As a spectacle fighter, as I think ZP like coined it, like, you know, like, you know, you're doing combos, you're trying to earn score or whatever, you do different moves, you switch between different characters. I think the story was like, again, grindhouse as hell and they knew that and it was over the top, like, you know, like, again, campy when it needed to be. And it was like 20 missions, like 20 like levels or something like that. And about halfway through, you don't get to play Dante, like the, you know, the titular character of Demo Cry, until about like mission 12 or something. So like you're itching for it. Right when you're itching for it, they drop them on. You're like, here it is. Here's to play Dante. And then you get to choose between them. And like the upgrades and stuff. It was just like, the, the, the only complaint I have is that I felt the level design, or at least that's why I put it in honorable and not uh, top, because the world building was okay. But a little like cliche, I guess. Mm-hmm. But other than that, gameplay was tight. Like I said, like it, they embraced their campy, their B movie, like sort of um, Sam Raimi, Evil Dead type nature, and yeah, ran with it. And it was such an enjoyable experience. It's totally worth it. The price of admission. Take this ride. Spend fifteen hours going through it, and it was well worth it. And if you weren't a fan of the series, and if you are, they they just they pay off a lot of things. So mm. gotta give them credit. My number three is Terminator Resistance. Nice, yep. I feel it's the Mad Max of this generation. You said that to me earlier, and I I said to you, I didn't think about that, but it is so perfect, so good. I love the Mad Max game, and Terminator Resistance is brilliant in its narrative, because it only addresses the first two Terminator films as canon, and it's a... As you should. Well, the choices I picked for it, it's a closed-loop time loop, so that works perfectly for me. But overall... I I played it on normal. I and you played it on hard. Yep. I kind of wish I played it on hard because even on normal, the Terminators were kind of always. The, I got the railgun fairly early, and that kind of broke it a OP little bit. A yeah. little bit, but overall, still the Terminators were a threat. If I met more than if two of them were coming at me, like in a close quarters, they decimate. Me. Yep. Uh, I think my biggest problem was load times in that were really, like, maybe not as bad as certain They're games, okay, but it was but yeah, no, so... I, I see what you mean, sure. But overall, like, I really enjoyed the experience. It was a fairly short game, but it, it felt like a Terminator game more than any other Terminator game I ever played. And yeah. I think that it had narratively better than most of the movies did. So uh, I would fully recommend, uh, like, if you get on sale, it's, it's a pretty quick ride, but it's... Sure. Well, also... The acting isn't the best, but it's still... It's okay for what they have. I went in exper- expecting nothing, and I got a game... Also, they pace out 
open world areas with action sequences that felt very organic and felt very uh, well paced. Yes. Like, uh, I, I, it's, like, I they was balanced say, it quite well. Yeah. yeah. It'd be like two open world to one action set piece and it worked. And sometimes you revisit and like, it, it, oh, it was, uh, overall, I, much better than it deserved to be. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, again, I have more to say about that because uh, mm-hmm. I'm introducing a new category, but my number four on honor is Death Stranding. And this is a weird one because I wasn't sure where to place it at first. It's a little iffy. It's not for everybody. Sure, it's yo Kojima. If you so, if you know what that means, Hideo Kojima always has sort of out. I don't want to say outlandish. He has very ambitious visions mm-hmm. for what video games can be. And like Peter Molyneux, yeah, uh, yeah, I think he's much better than Peter Molyneux. But like in the same vein, like they have just just like in their mind, like here's what here's what we can do with the game. And I was up and down with it, but on the surface, it's it's okay. It's like a fucking walking sim, not even like your third person walking sim delivery guy, right? But what makes it is the asymmetric online aspect to it. And the whole theme of it is clearly community building, right? It's a broken America. It's like a crazy, like, the, beyond the grave exists and this and that. Like, monsters, like, things can manifest themselves. Like, right, again, Kojima's vision. But the way it plays out in gameplay, I bought it, like, the week of, like, uh, the day of release or day after release. About a week later, because of the way Kojima, like, designed it, when you individually build, like, if I'm just playing by myself solo and I have to build a bridge, somebody else who plays it, like... Uh, in that same time frame or a day later, the bridge persists. Like, certain structures persist. So the whole theme of it builds into gameplay. I came back, like, a, a week later, and there was a whole fucking road. Like, this is amazing. I can now get between this and that point very much more conveniently than just, like, shucking myself, like, across the road. And, like, it fosters community building. And that's clearly the whole theme is going for. So, like, while on the surface, the gameplay could be a little bit finicky the way you have to fucking shuffle or stack your fucking shit like stack all the stuff you're carrying the narrative is fine like they, he has so many high-grade actors Guillermo is in it fucking um Troy Duffy is in it like a whole bunch of people Norman Reedus of course is the main character right so all the mocap all the, it's all their faces and the acting of course is top-notch but the gameplay itself feeds into like what he's going for as a theme and how he's trying to build the gameplay so I have to give him credit on that. And yeah, it was like a bit like it's a breath of fresh air. Like it's not like you're versus anybody. You come in, you, you just log on like, oh shit, somebody built a shelter and a bridge here. Thank you. That is so helpful. That is so awesome. Like it's just fostering community in within the world while while you're still experiencing it yourself in a sense. So yeah, I thought it was a really neat idea. So, you know, as I struggle with it, waver with it. It's still, it's gotta be an honorable number four because of that. And because I respect Kojima in a sense, it basically uses the same engine as, um, as Metal Gear did, like more or less. Like, there's, the gameplay is about the same, but thematically and the way he integrated the asymmetric online stuff was pretty fucking awesome to, uh, eventually it hit me. I was like, yo, this is a good idea. And I, I think there's more to be delved in with here. So what do you got? So my number four is Sinking City. Yep. Nice. Good call. The problem with Sing City is that I played uh, Call of Cthulhu from last year uh-huh. and Sing City right back to back. <laughs> yep. And I blend them together in my head. I can see that, yeah. I enjoyed Singing City, and I think that if they had combined Call of Cthulhu 
with Elvis Sing City, it would have been perhaps awesome in my best of. But overall, it I I, I believe it. This was the. I blend them all together. This was the one who did the Sherlock Holmes game. Yeah, right? they did definitely did Devil's Daughter and they yeah. Punishments as well. So I loved those games quite a bit, and I think that this was on par with those. <laughs> I don't know. It's been so long since I played it that uh, okay, I can't. Summer. I can't tell the difference between the two Cthulhu games I played. Well, I mean, in general, I can. But overall, I enjoyed it. But it, it's a was a mediocre game, which is right where this lies. It's so funny. Uh, we had or taste the line. It's number five on my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. The last on the honorable list because yeah, they they knew like this developer. I should remember the name. I think it's Fogwares. They made like I said, they made Crown of Punishment. So they took that template. They wanted to apply it to like a Lovecrafting Cthulhu mm-hmm. game. There's, if you recall, there are elements like. You literally had to go to the library or the police station or whatever to research stuff. Oh yeah, that was neat. So yeah, like that, like their ambition was clearly again like laid out, laid bare on the table. Mm-hmm. Now they were limited by tactical, uh, you know, they couldn't quite get there. So while like it almost like my my jokey thing was it somewhat teetered on the fringe of sinking under its own ambitions, but it was so clear they loved the material. They they used the best they could with their engine and, and with the um production value and the budget they had, so that's why it makes my number five. Yeah, it was well done for what they could have done at the time, and I wish they would do. It would be very very nice if they took everything that worked with Singing City and did another one, just cutting out like the, streamlining the things that weren't quite up the up the par. But yeah. And yes, of course, as I've mentioned variously on all podcasts, when it comes up, I'm a big Lovecraft fan. There was no way I was never not going to get this game, but I was impressed with it to a pretty solid degree, just that you could see the limitations there, but you could see the the bursting, like, the enthusiasm for the material, so. I'm going to go back to that for a second, is that I feel that the main conceit behind Singing City would have played as a good mini game, but Run not as a game. yeah, but not as a uh, uh, the uh, bannerhead the of an entire game. Of yeah, I think you're right about that. Like, I think that might be the thing, right? If they didn't try to do so much with it, mm-hmm. if they tried to limit it more, yeah. it would have been like more li- focused. Mm-hmm. But I think again, the writing was fine. The combat was kind of shit. Sorry, I I just gotta say that. I agree. But like that just. They were again using what they had to limit it, and like you know, like the combat wasn't even the focus. The investigations and stuff, and the writing again, mm-hmm. like I think that stuff. They had the so, gameplay from Call of Cthulhu, or combat-wise, yeah. with the puzzle-solving yes. elements of Sing City. This would have been a perfect game. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that's why uh, number number five. So shall we? Oh, I saw my number five. Degrees of separation. <laughs> <laughs> it's not seasons of the fall. Uh, which is my, uh, which is I've never seen some before, yeah. indie style, uh, sort of platformer puzzle game. Degrees yeah. of Separation was this year's version of that. Right. This iteration, uh, sure. It dealt with, I believe, a fire prince and a nice princess, and you had to use their thing. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it was interesting, but not particularly memorable. Mm. Uh, though I do kind of like That's those hard. games yeah. overall. And if I remember the 
puzzle mechanics were varied throughout it, but overall, it I feel again I feel Season of the Fall was a better game than Degrees of Separation. Overall, yeah, that's a package. Uh, or at least it was more artistic, and I think that art applies a lot to these types of games for sure and yeah, uh, that's what made seasons after the fall more memorable uh, seasons after fall seasons after fall which i still haven't played uh, it was on sale for like four bucks i still haven't picked I don't really it up. Yeah, it's fun. all right so that's top games and honorable so this year for 2020 going back to again like the way we do it 2019 games i've introduced a new category i love films i'm just calling a mid-tier or again solid but not standout so it's funny because you mentioned a bunch on yours, my number one for this category is Bloodstained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the spiritual successor to fucking Symphony of the Night, but also throwing some cool ideas. Like, for example, like when you kill a certain monster, you get a, you could ha- have their ability or an ability like that mirrors what the nature of the. <laughs> I only use three of them. Yeah, no, the, the fucking mirror thing. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, right, but I'm saying is like, in the aesthetic, like the graphics were top notch. It was a cool like. 2.5D, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, for the most part, it was a side scroller, but sometimes you'd be like, go up like a, a big castle, like a, or a tower, and it would turn, right? So, like, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Just all, all the, all those things were well utilized. Yeah, it's from, uh, I, I'm sorry, I apologize, can't remember the original developer's name. I think it's Kiro Ojiwa or Igawa, something like that. He was the original director for Castlevania. So, like, of course, the joke is, since Konami technically owns a copyright to it, it's like, I can't cast, can't be Castlevania because Castlevania doesn't have a mustache. Like, right? It's like a bootleg of it, but it was so well designed, fucking top notch, so awesome to play. And yeah, I think you and I did like, you did more of than I did like of the optional bosses, like the mm-hmm. secret and stuff, but just the way it was. The 8-bit section of that game one. was yeah. great. Yeah. Again, they had like cool references. It was not just nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. It was an awesome design game unto itself. Again, I'm going to give you credit where you can come into it. If you had never played a Castlevania game and someone just gave this to you and you like, you generally like platformers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it would be great. And if you know, like, if you were, like, this is the Castlevania successor that we're waiting for. So, yeah, got to get a shitload of credit. Just that, again, I happen to have played more games, but number one on solid as hell list is Bloodstained. I don't have anything for this. So, I'm just going to, uh, do you have a thing where you're doing, uh, uh, miss games or anything? I got like a that? bunch more. Yep, yep. All right, so then I'll, get All right, I'll just run through one list. Yeah, so number one in mid tier is Bloodstain. Number two, now, you mentioned it earlier, late game tie. For a while, it was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which was solid. It was like Jedi, uh, a Star Wars game using Dark Souls essential like, like combat systems, like third person. Um, every time you rested, all the enemies respawned, telling its own little separate story. It was done by Respawn, who was un. Technically under EA's banner because they own the licensed Star Wars, but Respawn did Apex Legends. They did like, they're basically like a people from Bungie. So like they knew what they were doing. The issue for me is that given that, given like such a high ticket IP and respawning have the resources they have, there were some issues with it. There were some technical issues. Like I clipped the walls, I, like some shit, like it just wasn't quite up to snuff given what you expect from this studio. But what it was was a cool combination of a, Again, an original Star Wars story, like, not necessarily like, oh, there's, there's no Luke Skywalker, there's no this and that. Um, uh, Cameron, the guy who plays Joker in Gotham played the main character. Cameron something, I'm sorry, can't remember his name, but he was mocapped as the main character. And the combat gameplay itself, it was Metrovania, right? You get a, you get a force power. Oh, I can't, 
I can't pull this bridge down. Oh, now I have force pull. Now I can go for, now I can go back to this area and do that. And yeah, like it, it had four or five difficulty levels. So if you wanted to go hardcore, our, our friend, uh, Louis Duran turned it up, like cranked it up because he was a big fan of Dark Souls games. And yeah, it worked either way. It, it was a good property. Just it wasn't quite up to snuff that we would expect out of it, but it was still damn fucking solid. Now, late entry, as you mentioned, Terminator Resistance came out like November of 19 for consoles. Under the radar, nobody cared about it, nobody gave a shit about it. It was on sale about two weeks ago, right before my birthday in early March. I bought it for 15 bucks and played through it in a week. And it was damn solid, like you said. Cool time loop, like, of course you have to have that. I respected them for that. And given what they had, what A, their budget and the production value and the studio who was doing it, it's odd to me that even got to work with this IP, mm-hmm. but given that they did and what they did with it, I think it's on par. So like, call it like I don't know your best IP get like best uh, franchise games of the year. I think Jedi Fallen Order and Resistance are about on same par in this area, and I had a good time with both, even though it had like you know just like like a five percent or less like little like little glitchiness, little like you know. I do want to talk about that for a second because it really bothered me. You know the spider, uh, the armored spider uh-huh. drones or whatever they are? Next, yeah. So I set a trap for one, but it kept disappearing. <laughs> so for it to appear, I had to get close to it. And it would shoot at me. I'd run back because I, uh, I had the ability to take the laser. Uh, the things. traps, so, yeah. I'd set up a bunch for it to destroy <laughs> it. And it kept disappearing before it reached the thing. So I had to reset it multiple times in order to plant the traps before it noticed me and lure it to an area before it, uh, it, it glitched it out. Yeah. So uh, I'm, yeah. uh, I, I'm frustrated yeah. by that. Te- that was the one yeah. technical glitch I had yeah. in that it game. Had some like, again, same thing with Star Wars. I was trying like we were, I remember sliding down like uh, there were certain slide like sections. Like almost like Mario sixty four style, mm. where I was just like clip through the fucking wall, and I couldn't like I would die because I couldn't see where I was going, or it just like, would clip me to my death. But it was few, few and far between enough that I think they're about equal. Again, uh, licensed property award there because they did the best they could with what they had, and it was solid as hell. All right, so I'll move on real quickly. Actually, you play this one too. Number three in my mid tier is Out of World, Out of Wilds. I didn't play enough of it to uh, put it on my list. So I know it got a big acclaim. Again, it was on sale like late in the year. And essentially, it's Majora's Mask in space. It's a mm-hmm. time loop, again, like in space, like with a cool little like mini solar system, essentially yeah. designed world. The characters are really designed like almost cartoony, but like, again, works. Well, Majora's Mask is actually a very good uh, yeah, it's, metaphor Yeah, it's a it. fucking time loop. So like you uncover like, you know, oh, at this point, at a certain planet, X, Y, and Z is happening, and like you just you uncover more and more information. It's a game of exploration, which when works is very satisfying. Like, oh mm-hmm. shit! Like you feel like you're learning something. You're you're figuring it out. Now, sometimes you might hit a wall. Sometimes the design is a little bit iffy as well. Like I got glitched when I was trying to land my land my ship into a like on a landing port on a planet, and like somehow I glitched through the planet and got like and died somehow. But the core idea and the conception, I think. Again, the ambition shows, and they did the best they could. It's a small studio, or Annapurna, the um, movie studio, like like their entertainment division picked mm-hmm. them up and produced it. So yeah, like just for what it is, it's really interesting. It's cool, and a, a well-designed game. It, it certainly has room for improvement, but I think for what it is and as it stands, uh, it's worth to check it out. And if you're into it, again, Majora's Mask in Space. If that appeals to you, it was well huh? done in terms of that. And granted, my final thought is I didn't finish it, but I did as much as I could 
because I was also like playing a bunch of other shit. But I went through it a lot, and I was still engaged for the most part when I was playing it. All right, number four, real quick. This is a good one. This is my retro award. Shakedown Hawaii. Imagine Grand Theft Auto, old school Grand Theft Auto, one and two, plus Sim City. It's basically what it is, right? So you're like going around. Uh, there's a plot to it. It's well, really, it has some like really nasty like commentaries upon like modern conventions of uh, the game industry and just capitalism in general, right? So I thought like that was really cool. Like loot boxes, like stuff like that. Like you're you're a fucking aging uh, landlord who's trying to like keep his uh, business afloat, and therefore you have to shake down literally all the other shops in this little like you know Miami, Florida uh, style map. That's really like. The pixel graphics, 16-bit style, amazing. Soundtrack, of course, old school um, uh, synthwave, fantastic. But yeah, going through, like, you pick up different, um, you know, weapons and so forth, and do little challenges, blah, 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 and then try to buy the whole city. As, like, as as you buy more and more, you get, like, a feedback of cash, and you can invest in this and that, and the, the missions spur you along. Yeah, the retro game of the year, like, again, under the radar, solid, but I recommend it. That's why it's my mid-tier if you're going to play like a Devolver style game, that's the one you should play. And finally, this one is a weird tie. I'm number five mid-tier. I've got Layers of Fear 2 and or Observation. So it depends. You like you like a bit more like thriller, psychological horror, or you like sci-fi. They're basically the same thing. Walking Sim. I like the developer of Layers of Fear, although I have something to say about them later. But the first one, I like quite a bit. Two was solid. Uh, Tony Todd's in it. They got him to like do a little voice there. Observation is basically 2001, uh, the game you play as Hal, as the AI, and has like a very cool little, like, condensed, self-contained sci-fi story with some neat ideas. And yeah, it worked out well. And I really got, I, I gotta give credit. Like, I really like Walking Sims, you know, all that. And when, when a studio does them well and has like some cool little ideas that well, it remains of Edith Finch. Yeah, exactly. Edith Finch is the best Walking Sim for sure. But I still think Ethan Carter is my favorite walking sim. And either, like, these ones are the crossroads of that. Like, the next generation, or they're following the footsteps. So, again, if you like horror a bit more, there's a fear I recommend. If you like sci fi, observation, but both are solid and they make, they, they had tied on my on number five. All right, so now we're going to the week list. Uh, shit's week! The worst games of the year. Right, right, can I go first? Yep. Yeah, because I only have one because it's the last game I played this right. year. Although yeah. I played a bunch of games I thought came out this year that <laughs> uh-huh. have came out last year, but we were going to 2018. Hit me. Secure Shadows Die Twice. Wow. Bold choice, but I, I, I'm behind you. Go. And I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm saying it's not the game for me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm not against Dark Souls type game. I you love Demon Souls. Demon Souls. Yeah. And perhaps I didn't get far enough in it, but the fact that they, at least they hint that they punish you by killing off NPCs every time you die, I feel that's unfair of a pressure on me sure. that I now don't want to die and I can't learn to get good. And it's so I got past the first mini-boss. I got props to the the second or third level of the game per se. Right. And then I never played it again because other games came across and it wasn't just it, it it didn't work for me. It's funny I'm with you like I did not play a single second of Sekiro but I know a number of people like, both within our circle of friends and just in general are into those kind of games. It's just not for me like in theory they are but I just can't get into them so I was like 
I know it won a game of the year and a couple other things, this and that. But it's, as you said, it's not the game for me. It's not the thing I'm going to get into. I, would, I can't, I can't engage with it. I would say that previous, my experience with previous Dark Souls is they allow you to adapt your play style to beat the game. Right. This one requires, this one, one requires, mastery uh, of, uh, yeah. parries or whatever yeah. it was. And I just wasn't, I, I wasn't good. Yeah. So I feel you. Yeah, so I, I skipped that one myself. So uh, my weak list, I'll go my five. Number one, so the weak list goes, this is, the, this is the worst game of the year or for me, Wolfenstein Youngblood. And here's why. No reason, this game should not exist. There was no reason for them to make it other than just money. It was didn't add anything to the narrative. The first two Wolfensteins, the modern ones, 2015, 2016s, were awesome. The writing and the, and the story itself, BJ's story was awesome. This one's, it was like, they tried to like make it as if you wanted to do like a co-op, but that doesn't like mesh well with Wolfenstein. And it's just the writing was terrible. The characters weren't engaging, like they were annoying as well. They were voice acted well, but what the lines that they had to work with. Gameplay wise, sure, it was fine. I guess it was the same engine, but it was just, it was diminishing returns. Lackluster, no reason for it to exist. Just play new classes, play new order, and that's all you need to do. Number two for me was Far Cry New Dawn. I like the Far Cry series. Say what you will about Ubisoft. Yes, I'm not defending them because of their practices and what they've done. But they make a couple of solid games that I like. So Far Cry was a spinoff for 5. It wasn't, and nothing will ever be Blood Dragon, granted. But it was just weak. And they slimily pushed microtransactions in a single player game. So go fuck yourself on that. Like, I didn't buy anything. Like, yeah, you could earn them in-game. But it was, yes, it was fun enough because it was the core engine, the core gameplay from 5. But narratively, again, they did not have to make this game. It cost 40 bucks. Like, just just put your energies into the next Far Cry and don't jerk off some random, like, stopgap, like, essentially DLC, marketing it as a full game and also, like, trying to shadily... And, and snarkily sneaking fucking microtransactions and loot boxes and shit. So that was a week up for me. Uh, number three, this is an interesting one. Blair Witch. Made by the same developers to Layers of Fear, Bloober Team. They made Observ- or Observer, which I quite like. So Blair Witch was like, it had mixed reviews. What culture, Jules and Ash from what culture, if you know who that is, like, they, they like, it was pretty good. And I liked the developer, I wanted to support them, bought it for like 23 bucks. Like on sale, end of the year, and um, Bl- the Blair Witch series is okay, but I was n- neither the biggest fan, neither like the biggest attractor. But what they did, like it, it was boring. It was just boring. It was forgettable. I saw outside Xbox do a challenge of playing Snake. Um, and so if <laughs> Snake is the most interesting thing yeah. about your game, that's a problem. Yeah, there. it was just boring. Like they tried some new things, like a little bit mechanics beyond like the things they'd done before, and like good effort, like. I appreciate the fact that they tried. It just didn't work. And, like, it was also just strange to me that they released both Layers of Fear and this in the same year within months of each other, mm-hmm. oddly. And Blair Witch was just so forgettable. And, like, I want I want the studio to be good, and I like their shit in general. But Blair Witch was just didn't get there, didn't work, and they should have focused on making Layers of Fear better or a sequel to uh, Observer. Mm-hmm. All right, so next on that is Blasphemous. Which is also a weird one. Speaking of Dark Souls, it's basically an old school 16-bit style uh, pixel game. 
but that tries to encapsulate the Dark Souls mechanics. So when you die, you leave, leave behind like whatever a marker, and like it, 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 I believe your health goes down until you get to that marker. So like the pixel art is absolutely fantastic. The best thing about Blasphemous is the way they've done their pixel art. Yeah, it's macabre. It's like Spanish Inquisition, like Catholic guilt manifests itself like physically and literally. Like that's a really cool idea, but gameplay wise, like mechanically. It just it didn't live up to its potential, and it was like, it wanted to be both a Dark Souls influenced like platformer, and also like an old school, just like I don't know, like Mega Man style game, and that didn't quite mesh. And even like the magic spells didn't make any sense, or not didn't make any sense, but they were less useful than they implied to be. So you might as well just fight with sword. And yeah, again, look up in, like screenshots of Blasphemous. Again, the Pixar is fantastic. The way they used it. But as a game overall, it just fell a little bit between the sheets, if you will. It fell between the cracks. So I have to put it here on number four. Again, not the worst, but still not quite good. So Days Gone is number five, and this is also one I struggle with. Originally, I had it on like honorable. However, at the end of the day, my note is Days Gone is the Miller Lite of games. Like, it's perfectly fine. It's zombies. A fine poster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a fine, a fine open world game. It's zombies. Uh, you're, you have, it's like GTA, like you're on a motorcycle, a third person, like whatever, that's fine. The upgrade system is fine. The story is actually quite good, like decent, in fact. It, it took a twist or two that I, that I didn't see coming, but it took a twist too that I did see coming, right? So, it's almost like, it's like triple A, like, like Little League triple A, if that makes sense. Like it was, it was backed by Sony, it was a Sony exclusive or PS exclusive. So yeah, it looked good, but I still experienced a couple of hiccups here and there. And at the end of the day, against the field, it's the least weak game, but it's in shit's week, number five spot, because it's the closest to being an honorable. But yeah, like, it was just okay relative to everything else. But it's still, it's still worth checking out, for sure. Just in my personal opinion and my rankings, that's where it lies. All right, so yeah, that, those are our rankings. Got anything else? You said yours? All right, I want to talk about one game that okay. I played this year. I thought it was 2019. I was excited to talk about it, but it turns out to be 2019. For the King. <laughs> yeah. For the King, go on. Which I had a blast playing through. It's a very, it's almost an old school PC style, like. Right. I mean, even uh, that one strategy kind of thing. RPG yeah. type thing. But I loved it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I enjoyed every moment. Was it a port? Like, was it a I'm PC game? Do you remember? Sure. I think okay. it was a PC game. Okay. Prior, Make, I mean, it's, it seems like it would be. I, I platinumed it, and <laughs> but I, like, it harkened back to an era when I was growing up and playing sure. that, like Might and Magic games and all that. And uh, it's not a complex game. There's no plot to it, but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's almost a roguelike uh, light, uh, game okay. where they... Uh, uh, Generate uh, they they, ge- they randomly generate like the levels you're on, but it's I don't know something about it worked really well for me, so I wanted to give a shout out to that. All right, cool, cool, definitely give a shout out to to like so. Um, other shit that I played this year that so Trover Save the Universe is Justin Rowland's game from Rick and Morty. It was okay. Like the gimmick was it was him doing it, but other than that, it's essential like a basic platformer that was like sure enjoyable enough. You might as well watch Rick and Morty. Like it wasn't as good as that, but. The jokes were going for that. Uh, Deadfire, I, I will recommend this. Post-Eternity Deadfire, it's um, Obsidian, 
their old school, like classic, like asymmetric RPG. The original came out a couple years ago, and this is their follow up. The port came out in early, uh, like February or January, I'm sorry, of, of 19. Played through it. Yeah, it's awesome. Critical Role people star in it. Uh, Water Tastes Like Wine, which was a port, which is quite good though. I liked it a bit, and I recommend it to you. Go on. I'm very upset with the port because the Whipper Wool achievement wasn't active. The trophies were a bit broken, unfortunately. And I have all the trophies but that one, and even though they updated it and allowed new players, I can't get it It still it now. doesn't activate. So, fuck that game. I mean, I thought it was interesting. I, li- I like the idea of it. No, I like the idea of it, too. It but trophy too. hunting, it, they, yeah. they did not optimize it. They didn't uh, integrate it well, so you cannot get that trophy, which sucks, for sure. All right, so upcoming slash what we played so far. What I played so far, 2020, Kentucky Route Zero. It's a strange game. If Jim Jarmusch and David Lynch made a game with like an intern from Kojima, it would be this game. And it's it's basically a point and click adventure. And not even that though. Like there's no puzzles. It's just conversations and like strange scenarios and strange vignettes. But it is up my alley. It's they finally collected it all into like five episodes or something like that. It was. Release over the course of like seven years, starting back in like 20, what was it, 2012, 2013. So it finally dropped as a console version in again early January, and I bought it for like 20 bucks, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. it it's not for everybody, like I said, granted, but for those, like, if you want to see what they're doing with video games as a medium a la Edith Finch, mm-hmm. check it out. Kentucky Route Zero, pretty fucking sweet. A game I'm looking forward to is Ghosts of Tsushima, or Sashimi as yep. I call it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love the samurai aesthetic, yep. which is partly why I was so upset with uh, uh, Sekiro. <laughs> sure. But also I liked Omachino Warlords back in the day. Oh, shit. Good call. Wow. Uh, Anybody remember that game? Yeah. And uh, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, like samurai films and all that. Yep. Uh, and so this seems right up my alley for what I want out of a samurai game. Yeah, man. Perfect segue. I was going to go like, what are the most anticipated games? That one for sure for me. I, I leave my own personal notes. Here's a little insight to me. Everyone's cream your dreams over this game, and so am I. Can't wait for it. I believe it comes out at the end of June. So yeah, for sure. Um, coming up soon. So today is March 20th. Um, the Res Evil remake coming out in about a month. Demo is out. I'm certainly interested in it. Like I said, Resident Evil 2, as you heard, was my number uh, two game. Nemesis was my favorite Resident Evil yeah. game back in the day. So they're redoing it, and I'm very interested in that. Uh, Doom Eternal also just dropped today of this recording. I played about an hour of it. And yeah, it was great. It was fun. It was a perfect follow-up to the original, or from uh, 2016. Modern Doom in uh, in modern graphics, modern gen. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, second... Uh, about tied for me is Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah, I'm really looking to that. Right? Ghost of Tsushima and that are about tied. CD Projekt Red is fucking fantastic. Possibly one of, if not the best developers in terms of being good to the fans. And even though there's some rumor, like, there's some talk about how they crunch, they're still pretty good as a studio in general. So I'll give them credit there. And yeah, 2077 was pushed back. And look out for an episode about pushbacks, which will be coming out a little bit after this. Uh, what else we got? There's a st- destroy all humans or remastering that. I'm actually I played both. I know I platinum both the original uh, remasters of that, so I'm looking forward to this. Yep, yep. Uh, Charles of Mana, uh, demo of that coming out. I played through Zombie Army Four, which is like the technically separate game, but the DLC is for Sniper Elite. And yeah, it was fun. 
Hitler is a zombie and he has a zombie army and you know, go kill him. <laughs> it's fine. It was like Left for Dead, but with Nazi zombies and, and Hitler. And then also one more thing is uh two oh sorry, two things. Disco Elysium, Ooh. I haven't mentioned it yet, was like everyone was praising it, singing its its laurels from last year. It hadn't had did not was not ported. It was a PC game. I am absolutely waiting for the port for it. Absolutely. For consoles. It's supposed to be like right up my like a landmark art like a new generation of RPGs. So yeah, the developers very small developer from like Estonia or something like that, like a country like that. And they promised a port for it, so granted I haven't been able to play it because it was PC only before, but I'm waiting on that a hundred percent and it might make it might like backdoor into uh best games last uh next year when we do it again. And finally, Man Eater. You know what I'm talking about? No. Alright, check this out. I know the uh the song uh, of the song, yeah. So you play you play as a shark and it's like RPG like shark. Like you fight like a, a mutated sewer, alligator, all stuff. Like there's a couple of trailers. It was announced about a year or two ago in E three and I was I was like, Oh it looks cool, it looks cool. I'll allow like sort of greedfall. As it's, as it's getting closer, the release date is supposed to be in, in uh April. Uh sorry, sorry, no May. Like May twenty fifth, yes. Mm-hmm. Right? So end of May. But like they kept they kept releasing like a couple of two trailers, like, yeah, it's like GTA, but you're a fucking shark and like you upgrade yourself and you like evolve yourself, right? So it seems really cool. I'm I'm quite interested in it just as a fun little I don't want to say diversion, but an interesting idea for a game using again conventions that have come before, but you're a shark. Nice. So that's pretty much it. I think we should call it a night. It's almost about an hour about game, but yeah. It's over an hour. Yeah. Those are the ones that we uh, that I've played and that Ian's played and that we recommend. Certainly we missed a few things. If if we have, ship in the comments, whatever, but those are our thoughts. And I think that'll do it for what has become our tradition. Top games of twenty nineteen here in March. Here in the middle of March twenty twenty. Braving the quarantine. Here in the middle of the coronavirus. Keep yourself safe from the C virus and we'll see you next time. Uh, Good night. Thank you for joining the Lost Signals Games and Gaming Culture. Check us out on YouTube and iTunes for the shows and more, and on Facebook and Twitter for updates.